Welcome to the Purpose and Principles Podcast. I'm Max Brown, and today, um, well, today's special, and it's different. And I'll tell you why. It's because we're going to talk today about race and racism. And I know that this is a podcast on a lot of around leadership, operational excellence, and how when we have a purpose and we follow principles, we live a better life. And I believe that to be true. And that's why I think this topic is real. And I think it's important. So today, I want to introduce you to a very, well, two very good friends of mine. Um, Frankly, I consider them brothers as well. And no matter what we do in this topic, I think there could be some criticism. And so I, I just, I hope people will hear this podcast for what it is. It is a conversation that has to be had and we have to make safe space for good civil dialogue. So I, I really think I have two really, like I said, two really great guests, great friends and great brothers on the show today with me, Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Hayes Brown. So even though we got the same last name, it's a different mother, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have my friend and, and brother, Blair Dickens. Uh, and we go way back. So I'm going to let you guys both introduce yourselves to this audience. And, and remembering that while we get the video and the, the opportunity to be able to see each other, I'm grateful for our audiences listening to our, our voices. So Tommy Lee, would you just introduce yourself to this audience? Sure. Um, thank you, Max. And thank you, my new friend, Blair. And uh, uh, just welcome. Uh, this, like you said, is a special podcast. Uh, number one, because I'm on it. <laughs> but, but seriously, uh, uh, this is just a wonderful way to, we've got a lot going on in this country. And I just thank you, Max, for the, for the opportunity or the venue to, to talk about it. I'm Tommy Lee Hayes Brown. Um, and I am first and foremost, the father of four young, young boys. And I am the uh, husband of 29 years to the wonderful Sharon uh, Hayes Brown. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, where I have my own business on Amazon and also do a couple other things. Um, but, but the main thing that I want you to know about me is that uh, race and race relations are important to me. Um, this country is important to me. Um, friendships and family are deeply important to me. And of course, work relationships and you know, having funds to be able to do fun things in life, that stuff, that's important to me. So, uh, and so, so that's, that's basically who I am. I was raised in uh, Wethersfield, Connecticut. Shout out to Wethersfield, the suburb of Hartford, where if I, I think I was the only male in my high school, uh, black male in my high school, junior high and elementary school. Mm-hmm. So that gives me a perspective of being um, kind of a loner but also really not knowing I was a learn- loner for a long time. So those, those relationships I formed in Wethersfield, Connecticut, I hold dear. Some of them are still my best friends. And um, I just have had a background that was unique. Then going to Howard University where it was almost 100% black and not fitting along, even though I am black, not fitting along because um, that culture, that black culture, I didn't have a lot of experience with. So, you know, I've had, I can walk in a room, Max, and, and I'm comfortable anywhere, you know, because I just have had a background that was very diverse. Diversity is really important to me. I've done a lot of work corporately through a lot of corporations. I'm not going to bore you with who, my, who I worked for, but um, just know I'm glad to be here and, and hopefully share this diverse experience that lies within this man uh, with your audience and with yourself. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for the introduction. Blair, would you give everyone a background and kind of 
you know, where, where you started and, and why we're all here today. Because as I thought about this, you know, I, I immediately called Blair and, and I called Blair and I saw Tommy Lee, I saw some of your posts and I, I just felt like instantly inspired, you know, Blair and I actually knew each other when we were 17 years old, both in a national uh, positions in, in Boy Scouts of America. And of course, Tommy Lee, you're heavily involved in Boy Scouts. And so these, this, this for me became very special. And of course, we've all known each other now for decades. Um, and, and for Blair over half my life and, and Tommy Lee for at least, oh, at least what, 15 years. So almost yeah. two decades at, at least. least. Yeah. At least. And we've worked with each other in so many different capacities and in so many different ways. So, so Blair, please let us, let, let the audience hear who you are. Sure. So Blair Dickens, and of course, it's great to be here with Max and Tommy Lee. For me, my background, I grew up in the South, in Shreveport, Louisiana. So growing up, you always knew there were things you had to be aware of, you know, situations, locations, where to go, where not to go, where to be smart, and where, you know, where to just avoid altogether. Uh, I grew up there, of course, eventually made my way to Arkansas, then Texas. So I've always kind of been in those areas. I had to be aware of things. But my entire life, I've spent traveling around the U.S. and, and the world. So I've met people in a lot of locations, you know, all races, sizes, colors, you name it. And so I've always had to, to be open to everyone. I mean, there were times I used to travel when I was the speaker at an event. And of course, I'd go home and my father would say, how many of you were there? And of course, my answer was one, me. Yeah. So and uh, so it's a lot of things that we can talk about in those experiences and how what I've seen over the years. Now I'm living in Los Angeles. And of course, I'm sure you've seen the news and everything that's happening here. I haven't been out in the middle of it, but I'm aware of it because I hear the whirly birds going around every night so far. Um, but I think where we are with this conversation, it's something, as you said, we've got to have. It won't be the most comfortable conversation, I mean, for us and for other people, but we have to start somewhere because it's those things that are uncomfortable, which will lead us to where we need to be. Put it on the table, put the cards on the table. People won't agree with everything, whether it be yeah. black, whether it be white, whatever. Um, and I've seen that my, in, my entire life because mm -hmm. I didn't quote unquote speak a particular way. So therefore I wasn't you know, one, of, one of us, so as I would mm -hmm. hear. So there's so much we have to talk about on what's what, it, where are we going? Well, and I appreciate that. And I really appreciate that we could all have this dialogue. I know that, you know, the real, we have seen a lot of mis, miscarriage of justice in, in the name of so-called justice. And I use air quotes, right? Sometimes, you know, last week, I, I've been pulled over four times in my life. And last week was one of those four times. <laughs> and I, I was pulled over. And of course, I keep my hands on the wheel. I don't, I don't you know, I'm, I'm, I'm careful, but I am not afraid of being pulled out of my vehicle and killed. Mm. I'm not. He was rude to me. He was rude to me. And, and, and I was trying to be very considerate because I, I just don't know what he might do. But I was not worried about him pulling me out of my, my car. You know what I mean? And I think, that's, I think that's the difference that we're talking about. We're, I don't want people to feel like we can't talk about things just because we come from one way. We don't know the other way because we haven't lived that way. I'm not black. I don't know what it feels like to be black. But I know that I wasn't afraid last week. And yet some of my friends that are black are afraid and legitimately so. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's been times that I've been pulled over. And of course, at that point, I try to be the prettiest little black boy in the world when that happens. You know, everything's on point. Windows rolled down, car turn off, hands on the steering wheel, don't move until you, until you're told to move. And, you know, and of course, not every police officer is the same. Let's go ahead and mm -hmm. put that out there right now, too. That's right. I think, I think because of a few people that the whole, you know, the whole job gets, you know, gets put down. I mean, I have family members that have worked in law enforcement. Yep. But at the same time, I'll never forget this incident in Louisiana. Guy pulls over, rolls the window down. Whose car are you driving? Uh, the work car. You see the plates on it. You see the name on my shirt. Well, that's not a dealer plate. I'm like, no, sir, it's a manufacturer plate. Well, you're trying to, you're trying to be smart? No, I'm educating you. Do you have weapons in the car? No, sir. I get, of course, I get asked this five times. Yeah. And then, of course, finally I have to get out of the car and walk around the back and why he looks and searches for everything. Are you alone? It's, it's just like, really? It's just so much like, please, can you just give me the ticket so I can move on? Uh, but at the same time, you're a little on edge because you don't want to make any wrong moves and make sure, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, you, you feel like you have to become subservient at that moment. I mean, I understand there's a whole respect of authority or whatever that comes, but not to have to be subservient. Mm -hmm. so, what, you, what you mentioned, Blair, I call them the rules of the road. I think most people with that black families automatically teach, their, especially their sons, their daughters mm -hmm. too, but I can only, I've only had boys. I've taught my boys, my father taught me, you know, the rules of the road. And they were exactly what you outlined. Both hands on the steering wheel. Yep. Ask permission to get your wallet. Ask permission to get your license and registration. You know, you ask those permissions. The yes, sir. The yes, ma'am. Even though that may be that may not be part of your normal or vernacular, it does when you're talking. But you know, I've been pulled over probably probably a half dozen times in my life, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, I have to say that it, it's, it's your hands start sweating, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, you know, and I've talked to some white friends about it, and they're like, what do you mean your hands start sweating? And I was like, my hands start sweating because I don't know who this officer is, you know, and when they're black, when the officer's black, there's a little sigh of relief, mm -hmm. whether it's warranted or not, but I feel like, okay, this guy won't harm me. Mm -hmm. And that's just has been, I don't know why, why I think that because he's the same color as me and he's not going to do what I think he might do that I've seen mm -hmm. on the media that other cops do. You know, one time, the most recent time, I, I made an illegal U-turn and cop pulled me over. I rolled down my window and he was very assertive. And when I mean assertive, I mean like I was fearful. It went beyond the sweaty, it went beyond the sweaty hands to um, just honestly, I felt like he was going to cause harm. Mm -hmm. And so he took my license and registration and he went back and to his car, I guess, to look it up. And I had an idea to roll down my back windows because I had all four of my boys and we were on our way to scouts and they had their uniforms on. So I said, you know what? Let me roll down my windows so he can see that we're scouts that I am a father who's a, trying to do the right thing by my sons. And when he came back and saw the uniforms, his attitude changed immediately. He was like, oh, you guys are scouts. Where do you scout? Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I don't know if this man was a scout and it brought back good memories, 
I don't know if this man saw the uniforms and said, oh, well, these must be, these must be really nice black people mm-hmm. or, or black people who are not selling drugs because they have on scout uniforms. Or he just, when he went back to get my license and registration, took his medicine. Yeah. And because when he came back, he was a totally, totally different person. I didn't get a ticket. And the problem is, Max and Blair, that when something like that happens, I always sit and go, you know, was it because I was black? Or did, is he just have, was he just having a bad day? Mm-hmm. Like, you just never know. You don't know. In yeah. that case, I think it, it, it definitely was because I was black. But you, you know, just never know. If I get bad service at a restaurant, I don't know if she's just having a bad day or she, just, or she doesn't like black people. I just mm-hmm. never know. No, and Tommy, I, you're right. We, 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 we don't know. And it's, it's one of those things like, I hear what you're saying. Okay, he sees the scout uniforms and it's what my dad always said. Automatically, you become one of the safe ones. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's something that you have to think of that. I mean, I'm going to give an example of living in Los Angeles, you know, living in California where one thing you think in some ways you don't have to think about a lot of things because it's a very diverse, you know, diverse city, but you still got to know. And when I walk in my neighborhood, because it's ingrained in me growing up, when I'm out and about, I have to be aware of what I do. When I walk through my neighborhood, I'm even still cognitive. I don't let myself look at anybody's house too long. I don't want anybody to think I'm casing the joint, even though I'm like, that house is beautiful. I'd love one like it, but I'm very careful. I'm very careful when I see people walking past me on the street. I'm like, what do they, what do they see when they know me? And of course, I got to put this out there. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of joke, but it's also in all seriousness too, with a whole COVID-19 thing going mm-hmm. and people are like, Oh, well, you're supposed to cross the street, not walk past anyone. I'm like, I'm so used to that. That happens every day. <laughs> you know, so, so, so it was, it was even weird to me watch, you know, move people moving away from me. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. This is COVID-19 now. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> I also appreciate that, you know, for listeners, I want them to know, for the record, we are not anti-police here. And, no. and we do appreciate good police officers. We need good police Absolutely. officers. What we're talking about today is the differences and the experiences that we've all just experienced differently, right? As a white person, I experience things differently than you guys experience them as you've just described. It's Absolutely. just true. Absolutely. We are not against our, our, our brothers in blue because you know, we, we need them, you know, mm-hmm. and we need good ones. And it's we a do. shame that one bad apple, you know, can spoil the whole bunch. And that one bad apple has really, really shocked America, I think, in a way that they haven't been shocked in a long time. Yeah. You know, to have that. And this stuff has been going on. Let me just say this. And I think a lot of a million people have said this, but in case your listeners haven't heard it, this stuff is not new. It's just now we have cameras. So mm-hmm. we have cameras now that document without it. Because before it would have been the two or three witnesses' uh, word versus the cops. Mm-hmm. And that's what would have happened. He was on his neck for eight and a half minutes. No, I wasn't. I was, you know, I was doing this and that didn't cause it and blah, blah, blah. So it would have been his word versus her had there not been the camera phone. Mm-hmm. So I just love now that we have to document things that people have to be careful because they know they're being recorded. And, um, you know, so it has taken the, the problem of he said, she said to, well, there's no question about it. Here's the proof. He did this. And so I think I, think I read somewhere that this cop was, was arrested faster than 
than most because of the, the footage. Mm -hmm. You know, where it was a few days versus a few months that it normally takes. Right. True. Correct me if I'm wrong if you guys have heard differently. No, I think that's right. That's what I've heard as well. Yeah, so thank Claire, you for clarifying that we are not anti-police here. Yeah, no, that is not this message. And, no. and here's the other thing is maybe, you know, for, for those who are listening now, they might be saying, yeah, but I'm afraid when, you know, like, okay, so let me just set that out there. And then Blair, I'd love to get your comment because I know there's a piece here. And when I lived in D.C., I, I lived in Northern Virginia, and we commuted into D.C. regularly because that's where we worked. My wife invited a couple of her friends from work to come join us for dinner at our home in, North, in Northern Virginia. And they said, well, we can't come to Northern Virginia. <laughs> and my wife said, what do you mean? We can't, you can't come to Northern Virginia. They said, we're not safe there. And of course, these two friends of hers that we were inviting to dinner were black. They were her closest friends at work. And, and we wanted them to come to our, our place in Northern Virginia. I was shocked, okay? I did not expect them to feel that way. But on the flip side, there are, there are places in some cities where I don't feel safe to go either. Mm. And when I'm on the subway in D.C. one day, I was standing next to a black man and we started talking because we were both waiting for a train. And he said, which way are you headed? And I, I, was, I was about to get on the orange line headed to Northern Virginia. And I said, well, which way are you headed? And he goes, well, I'm headed to Southern D.C., you know? And I said, and he, and I said I'm headed to Northern Virginia. He goes, well, there's nothing for me that way. And he said, well, I'm headed to, you know, Southern DC. And, and, and I said, well, there's nothing for me that way. <laughs> and I shook his hand and I shook his hand and I said, I wish it wasn't that way. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, that's just what, you know, there's people that are afraid on both sides of this. And yet that's how these things, we don't, we don't, we don't figure out how to become friends. You know, you know what happens? A lot of people have, have, you know, kept themselves separate over the years too. Well, we don't want to lose our identity. We don't want to lose who we are. And, and, and there's no need for that. You always be aware of who you are. But it's, um, some people think if you're too diverse, then, you know, then you're all combobulated. We don't know where we come from. My kids won't know this. They won't know their true identity. Uh, you, that's why you still got to teach. That's why you still got to have your history. You still got to have, listen to your elders and everything else. But everybody's just keeps pushing ourselves further and further apart. And it's not just on the white side. I mean, I'm going to flat out say that, you know, it's, it, we, it comes from all sides. You know, I, I'll never forget. I have a friend years and years ago, we're, we're at dinner and I'm saying, I'm going to take everybody to dinner and the whole time he's looking around and everything. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I don't like these white people. I'm like, but you don't know them. And mm. we're just having dinner. So, I mean, I think we have to be aware that, too, a lot of this is not just one-sided. I mean, as much as I'm sure somebody would be upset for me for saying this, we have to be aware of it. Um, and just, and this is not just about policemen. Yeah. You know, this is about people as a whole. I, I'll tell you the thing that upset me the most in the last week. Yes, I was not happy about the police brutality, but that whole incident from Central Park. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, I was already upset, but that really just took me, I mean, more than I thought it would. I miss, maybe because you're used to the police brutality thing and you're a little, I won't say numb to it, but when I saw that too, then I'm like, the watch this lady just start losing her mind. And yeah, it's, it's a, more, a matter of everyone becoming more comfortable with everyone and stop instantly thinking that everybody's a threat. Like there are neighborhoods you go to, there are people that I don't want to walk past down the street, depending upon how you're acting, how you're conducting yourself, I don't care whether you're black, brown, white, yellow, whatever. I don't want to be next to you. 
Mm-hmm. So it's also how do we conduct ourselves with each other? It's like with a lot of young people today. It's like, I understand everybody's got their personality. Everyone has their dynamic, but still, how are you presenting yourself to other people? Or mm-hmm. is it the wild and crazy rowdy bunch that, okay, I don't know what's going to happen to me, you know? Yeah. So well, I, w- I was pulled over by, so one of those four times, I was pulled over by a police officer in South DC driving. He pulled me over and he said, you do not belong in this neighborhood and I suggest you leave. Mm. I mean, that's just what I was told. And that was his way of of making sure you were safe. Didn't necessarily Mm. that he didn't want you there, but he's like, you're in a place that you don't belong. Right. Because people may not see that way. And it could have been him too, but it's, yeah, that that kind of stuff happens. You know, you know, the speaking of the Central Park, that really disturbed me as well because mm-hmm. I could see myself, you know, bird watching. You know, I'm not a bird watcher, but I could definitely see myself bird watching. The thing I love the most about that video is uh, was a Christopher Cooper was so composed, he just held his camera and let the camera do the talking. This man was so composed and, um, you know, was a, you know, historically bird watched in that area, the association, the bird watchers association, he worked with, you know, you know, testified that he's a great guy. But beyond that, that woman just lost her mind over another human being. But because he was black, she acted a certain way. She was fearful. She was threatened. And she was in the wrong. She was clearly in the wrong because she was the one, you know, who didn't have her dog on a leash. So it's that kind of thing that this woman has no idea how dangerous that could have been mm-hmm. for Christopher Cooper. I mean, he could have lost his life easily. It could have been a Minneapolis situation, but she felt the need to, you know, use the fact that he was an African-American male mm-hmm. and uh, saying that he was threatening her and that she, did, you know, threatening her and her dog when the man just asked her to pl- politely, you know, put your leash on your dog. Yeah. Um, and it spun out of control for there. So she has lost her job, I've heard, and the dog has been in, taken away from her, whatever. You know, I really don't want to focus on her. I just want to focus yeah. on this gentleman and his reaction. You know, I applaud it because absolutely. He, he absolutely did the right thing. Because in my mind, when I first saw it, he had every right to, to I wouldn't even say what I thought he mm-hmm. should, should do, mm-hmm. but he, he definitely took the high road. I don't know if I could have took the high road as well as he did, had it been me. It's, it's, it's that thing of always, you know, kill people with kindness, you know, when you're trying to, you know, just, you know, settle everything down. You know, the, the one thing I, I would like to ask people to think about more so with this is think before we act, think before the things that you say, think about what it would be if someone said that to you. Like, for instance, I'm going somewhere. So where are you coming from? Well, why is that your business? Mm-hmm. You know, would you want somebody in all your stuff? Well, well, sir, you don't belong here. Well, who are you? What, what, what business do you have here? It's like, well, why would you ask somebody that? You're not their keeper. Mm-hmm. Right. And those are the things that people get, I think, get confused. Of, well, who the hell are you to tell me this? Excuse my, mm-hmm. my, my words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a lot of stuff that we have to, we, everyone has to be aware of when we're dealing with people. You know, it's interesting too. Um, when I saw the false accusation in the park, it triggered me because in a different way, but, but you know, when I fly and you, you, a lot of us fly a lot, um, it, at least we used to, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and a heaven, heaven help us. I hope we soon fly again. I really do. And I say that with sincerity, but I get very nervous, frankly, if I'm sitting next to um, a female, because I would rather keep my arms completely folded, completely folded the entire flight. I don't care how long it is. I don't care what, because I never want to be falsely accused of anything, anything. ever. Mm-hmm. And you guys, that's how I live too. I mean, I feel like that that's a concern for me. If I'm sitting next to someone, I'm pleasant, I'm polite, but I also very, very careful because I just think that we're all one accusation, one false accusation away Mm -hmm. from anything in our lives. Absolutely. And it's on the internet forever. Oh, true. (laughs) That's what I try to tell my kids. It doesn't go away. It doesn't, well, and we grew up, you know, when we didn't, we didn't record everything on Facebook or on social right. media like our kids do. I'm, yeah. I'm pleading with my kids, please be careful because, you know, when we were kids, we were dumb. We would do dumb stuff. I'm so grateful not everything was documented in our lives. Yeah. Right. You well, know? you know, I, I, I think about this with the internet. Yes, things go there. And it's, it's also how people react to any and everything. Yes. You know, sometimes people see things like just because you saw that does not make that person as a whole. And that's also people overreacting, whether it be who they are, whether it be the color of their skin. It's like, stop. I mean, just for one minute, stop being so riled up about every little detail. Get a life. That's mm-hmm. the first thing I got to say. There's this old song, old gospel song. I can't even think of who it was. It says, sweep around your own front door before you sweep around mine. Mm-hmm. And people are so riled up on who this person is, what they're doing, what they're not doing. Stop and teach each other and respect each other. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. Respect each other as a person, mm-hmm. you know, versus, okay, respect that person because they're black. Respect that person because they're white. Just right. showing each other the respect that you are a human being and I have the rights that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I always ask a lot of my white friends, you know, have you ever had that that feeling when you go into a store where somebody actually traces and follows you around that store every last move you make, whether you're going to do something or not, it sticks with you. And sometimes it is based on how you're dressed. I've been in a store once in sweats, and this person might as well, this security guard might as well have held my hand. You can go back two weeks later, dressed up, I'm the same person with the same money in my pocket. It was, yes, sir, how can I help you? I'm like, you bend over backwards. Never make that assumption. You know, I work with a lot of car companies and you always say, never assume what kind of money somebody has. They might be a farmer with the dirtiest boots in the world. But they're going to come in and pay cash for something. Mm-hmm. So never assume just because somebody the color of their skin can't do what you can do or doesn't have the same rights as you. Yeah. Or that they're instantly a bad person or they're going to do somebody harm. So I grew up taking it for granted. And I know, man, I am opening myself up for some criticism. I'm thinking here, you guys, but tell me what you think. I was talking, I was, I was doing my master's program in, in DC and we were in a conversation with, with my colleagues and my peers in my class. And someone said, we, they are petrified if they see a pickup truck with a gun in the back. You know, they, they're just like petrified. And I said, well, I'm petrified if I see a low rider and it's all tinted out. <laughs> no, no, you're shit. I think I am too. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse, excuse me, listeners. Excuse me, listeners. Edit that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that out. But but here's the crazy thing, right? Is like 
I grew up, I, I mean, I, I live in Idaho. I, I feel like my friends, we don't talk about stuff like that. When we put a gun in the back of the truck, it's, it's because we just, that's, we hunt. Oh, sorry, I just hit my microphone, but we just hunt. We hunt and, and, and we don't think anything of it. You know, back in the day, it used to be okay that we would pull up to high school um, be ready to hunt after school. Right. You can't even think about taking fingernail clippers to school now. My kids, right. I plead with them, please make sure everything, you know, don't take, don't take anything to school that could be construed as dangerous. You used to say guns to school. We live in very sensitive days. You know, I never took them to school, but you know, they would be in our cars. They would be in when, your car. That's what I mean. You know so, what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not saying yeah, because I agree yeah. with you that I had them. Absolutely. Right. I, I shot my first gun uh, right after the new year. It's the first time I ever held a gun. Ever. See, you guys come up to Idaho, come to the farm. We'll, yeah. take, we'll, we'll, we'll all go out and shoot some guns. You know what I'm I saying? I grew up with them. I mean, I grew up with them. I knew where they were in the house the whole time. I have my marksmanship awards from all my years in ROTC and everything else. I mean, yeah. That's, so funny. That's so funny. Our perspectives are so different. Where guns, yeah. you, two, you two, you know, are not afraid of them, have shot them all your lives or whatever. And here yeah. I am at 53. Thank you, Grant. You took me to a uh, uh, range. range. Look at me doing this. Like I really know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And he had, he had this whole assortment of guns and he was like, well, would you want to shoot a 45 or, or, or a 28 or whatever the numbers are. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I was just like, whatever, Grant, just give me a gun. And, and <laughs> he had to shoot it and I shot it and and it was a lot more difficult than I thought. And um, I just say, I, let's just say this, I have better respect for guns now yeah. that I shot them to, because before they were kind of a, a mythical creature to me mm -hmm. that I read about and, you know, you should never have one in your house or whatever. Now I have a more, I have a better respect, even though with scouting, you know, all my kids go to summer camp and they've shot the dead, but I don't go to the range. It's just yeah. nothing that interests me. But yeah. Um, Anyway, I have a better respect for them now. And I'm, I'm not as frightened as, you know, of them now. I'm really glad that we did get to this topic of guns. And the reason why I say that is- Look, that's a whole nother episode. It, it's a whole nother episode. It's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother episode. It's a whole nother, because yeah, don't get me started on what color somebody is when they got a gun and how people respond to it. So, okay, yes. we'll, we'll talk about that another episode. Let me, let me calm down for a minute. <laughs> I can see you nope, going But let's, let's go back to where we were. But let's, let's go back get to it started. But get it started, Blair. You're okay. You make your okay. comment. We're there you with know, you. I'm just going to put this out there because once go again, ahead, I want to say how everybody responds and how we treat each other. And, you know, there are a lot of states that are open carry. There are a lot of people very sensitive to that right now that want to show up and show we can carry here so I can walk around with my AK, right. whatever it may be. However, and no one can tell me different, if a Black group showed up like that all heck would break loose there's no way like what walking around with ak-47s versus walking around open carry I, you can't tell yeah if you got one or two in the organization that's there but that's not a predominantly black group if that was to happen or probably not just a black group any any brown darker skinned person it, it would not be allowed I, you can't tell me that it would be well, how do you say it's not allowed if it's legally allowed? I, I know, but I know the response would be totally different. You're saying the response. Totally different because the way it's, it's, it's the same thing of where we are now with what's, what's happening in the world because mm -hmm. it's how do we respond to people. 
How do we look as, you know, whether it be that promotion, whether it be that job, whether it be who you do business with, how do you respond when you see that person? Are they always below you? Are they equal? Because, you know, it, it comes down to even socioeconomical too, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and, and that's the type of stuff that yes, people are upset about police brutality, but it's more than just that. Yeah. It is, so yeah, there's a lot we get to talk about over the next few weeks, months. I think so. You guys, I feel, I feel like this is a bigger conversation that I think we should continue on a weekly basis if we can, or at least on a regular basis, yes. that we should have a regular conversation about these things and just and, and encourage listeners to please, please just hear it for what it is. We're not saying that everything we say is right. It's just our experience. It's just our lives, right? We're respecting the blue but we also respect the fact that racism is alive and well in America today, sadly. Yes. And we're talking about it because we all have different perspectives about it and different experiences with it. And we have to talk about it and we have to talk about, all of us have to talk about it. It can't just be on our Facebook feeds anymore and it can't just be a, a fun little meme anymore. You know, and, and, and I'll just conclude one thing with me on the gun part and that is that I grew up with them. My dad is a military guy, but he's also a big hunter, right? He took me out hunting since I was just a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to respect them from a very young age. Mm-hmm. But my mom and dad also fostered over 100 kids over 20 years and adopted eight of those, of those 100. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and when I was 12 years old, my dad was off and on deployment. And one time, my mother fostering some kids. And you know, if, if, if anyone's familiar with the foster care uh, uh, situations, most of the time these kids get pulled out of pretty violent situations, as you can imagine. Uh, oftentimes it's pretty violent. And the parents or the boyfriends or whoever, they want revenge or they want to come find these kids. And one time someone found out my mom's number, of course is way before cell phones, right? So she, he was on the phone with my mom and I walked into the laundry room and listen, I grew up my, my folks would not appreciate saying, me saying this, but we were lower middle class, all right? They fed us, they fed us, but we were lower middle class. I knew, you, you guys remember when we used to have um, parachute pants? Do you remember that parachute is. pants back in the day, you guys? <laughs> I, I wanted a pair of those so bad. I got them as a hand-me-down from a cousin two years later when they were way out of fashion, yeah, right? And right. I still wore them because <laughs> it's the only <laughs> thing. Because you wanted them so bad. I wanted them so bad, but that, that's, that's how I grew up. All right, you guys. So I walk into the laundry room, my, my mom, I've never seen her like this. She was, she was terrified. And I said, what is going on? I'm 12 years old. I finally convinced my mom to tell me because my dad's on deployment that that some guy had just called her and threatened her that if he finds out where we live, he's coming Mm -hmm. and he's going to mess with our entire family because we took his kids away. We didn't take his kids away. We were taking care of his kids. We wouldn't take his kids away. From that day, you guys, I had a 12-gauge shotgun in my closet. For the rest of my life, I've had a 12-gauge shotgun in my closet because I was going to protect my mom. Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. Max, you just said something that just kind of resonated with me about, you know, growing up, you know, lower middle class or poor or whatever it would be. And this just made me think back to a roommate I had in school. And, you know, normally when you get roommates in school, you know, they normally put you with the same race unless you request you're okay to whatever and whoever. And I actually, as a senior, got asked if I was okay rooming with a white freshman. I'm like, sure. 
And, and, and I, don't, I don't look at this as a derogatory term because I have a lot of friends and quote, of course they call themselves rednecks too. And, I, and of course I, the term is fine. And so this kid, even though you know, he was fine with it too, we realized just how much alike we were because we just said, well, we're both country. That's what it came down to. We started looking at the same things we ate, the things we would say, even though in our minds we were different because we looked different. In actuality, we weren't, even though it took me a while to get him to eat neck bones, but finally I couldn't stop him after that. A whole other conversation, cooking show. But uh, that's one of the things that I think people forget or they don't realize we are a lot more alike than what we realize is just because we don't really know each other or have not had the opportunity to walk in each other's shoes. And it's not that it comes down to do we respect each other and afford each other the same opportunities. You're saying my favorite, my favorite poem ever is Maya Angelou, one by Maya Angelou. And the end of the poem, I'll look it up as we're talking, but the end of the poem says, we are more alike than we are unalike. Yes. We are more alike than we are unalike. And I used to I even, even uh, it's just, it's a poem that resonates. And what the poem just says, is like, we weep in China. We have successes in England. We mourn in, in you know, India. And what she's getting at is no matter where you're from, we have a human connection. We all cry. We all have losses, you know, and we are more like, you know, in minor ways we differ. Now it's going back. In minor ways we differ. In major, we're the same. Yeah. In minor ways we differ. In major, we just say we're the same. We are yes. more like than we are in the light. Um, but you, you just made me think of that. You, you practically said it word for word there. Yeah. Not even right after neck bones. <laughs> you said right after neck bones. You said it. Wow. Well, you guys, I, I, I love and appreciate you guys so much. I, um, I think this is such an important conversation. I think if we could invite all of our listeners today, so I hope you guys will share this in all your media streams with all your friends. I'm going to do that. I'm certainly going to broadcast this, but I hope we can invite people to just go meet someone that doesn't think like them. I'm not saying look like them. I'm just saying someone that doesn't think like them. And they might not look like you too. That's fine. But we are more, we are more alike than we like to admit. And mm -hmm. we should, in my opinion, have more conversations with one another. And I, I say often in my Twitter stream, if you want to change the world, go invite your neighbor to dinner. And if you can't invite them to dinner, go get to know them, serve them love them, do something with them. Mm. You know, most segregated day of the, of the week is Sunday. Mm. Absolutely. It's the most segregated day of the week. And so what I've done, and I'm not perfect at this, I haven't done it for a long time now, but um, when I can, I try to take my kids to different type of church services. Nice. I like to take them to different ways of worship. And I'm not afraid to take them, you know, to the, to the, just wherever we want to go to help them experience a new way of worship and to say, you know what, we all are worshiping. We're all doing it in different ways, but we all love raise our families. We want to raise our families in freedom. We want to raise our families safely. We want to be able to feed our families mm -hmm. and we want to go home safe tonight, hoping that our kids will flourish and have a better day tomorrow. That is the goal. Absolutely. And, and, and one thing I, I ask the listeners to think about this. Yes, like we say, go out and meet other people. And sometimes that may be a little more comfortable than what we realize. So I ask you this, just start with a hello. Yeah. With a head nod. More so, even if you don't have that, that conversation, just acknowledge each other. 
yeah and the people around you that's what's so what's what's been lost so much is just a sense of community or a sense of peace yes. just acknowledging that people exist yes you know guys i feel like social media has became has become like this professional sport for world words and memes and just sound bites and I think that sadly, because all of, we all know that all of our filters are filtered just to hear the things we like in general, it's feeding confirmation bias for everyone in their own little world mm -hmm. as, if as if their world is the only opinion that matters. And we have to have diversity of thought. And then when we disagree, know that we can do so civilly. Right. I, I'm sure if we continued this conversation today, we would we would discover things. We would all say, you know what? I come from a different perspective on that. And I strongly disagree. And that's OK. Mm -hmm. Perfectly fine. You I'm know what I'm saying? Unfriend you, Max. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> likewise, brother. <laughs> because like the 36 people did for me this week. Right. You know, I just did my own social experiment and counted the number of our friends I had before I posted something. Yeah. And then counted them the number of friends that, you know, and some of them I knew left because they told me, yeah. they inboxed me. I didn't know you felt that way, you know, which was really just kumbaya, let's all just get along. Basically, mm -hmm. is what they disagreed with, you know, but you made me think of something with the memes is that I posted uh, a meme, can't even remember what it was, earlier this week, right after, right after the incident in Minneapolis. Um, and everybody was like and like and like and like. And then I said, my white friends, I need you to share this. I need you to share it. It's not enough to just like. You have to share it because the voice coming from you, it has a stronger impact than if it comes from me. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I know a lot of great white people who were really passionate about this, but they just didn't take the extra step to share it. And um, I think the last count, it was, went from zero to 36 people sharing it. They just yeah. had to be reminded. And as I do on certain things to, oh, that's great or whatever, we'll share it. Let people know how you feel. And then your group of people will be like, oh, yeah, I do feel that way too. And then it yeah. can spread. So there is good that can come from the internet and good that can come from the memes. And I'm right on, I'm on this kick now with all my friends because nobody ever shares anything. And I don't know if it's just my, my friends or if it's just an internet thing, but it's like, you gotta share it. If you like it, share it. That only takes a two seconds and it really could make a difference. And say, oh, Max feels this way? Mm -hmm. Well, well, wow, okay. So One of your friends you know, might, might say, wow, that's opening up. If Max feels this way, let me pay attention to this. Yeah, Tommy Lee. So I'm one of those friends, you know, you reached out to and said, hey, Max, share this. If you're passionate, share it. Oh, are and you? That, I, did, I didn't realize yeah. Max. <laughs> no, you're good. good. And, and, well, and you, can I, confirm, you can confirm that I did do that. It's not you an did, anecdote. You did do that. Happened. You did do that. But now here's the interesting thing for me, Tommy Lee, and this is where I, I actually got conflicted. Because, yes, mm -hmm. I was really disturbed by the incident. Um, and I've been disturbed by previous incidents. Um, and I'm not going to articulate them all accurately, but you know, sometimes the media jumps to conclusions very quickly. Remember oh, when absolutely. that young man from the oh, high school? Yeah, you remember that young man in the high school and then the, the um, uh, Native Indian, I believe, came him face to face. And anyway, the media blew it up, you know, like they were being disrespectful. They weren't actually. It was, but, but what I did, Tommy Lee, is I actually looked at the person who had shared that originally from, from your post. 
And on that post, I, I, I felt like there were some things there that I was a bit nervous about. Okay. And that's what made me nervous. And so then I thought, oh man, how do I share this? Because I really am passionate about this message. Like injustice is injustice. And I want to talk about that. But on my page, I'm very careful about um, advocating any type of violence. And I'm, I'm really right. a big advocate, you know, for civility, regardless. And even some of my friends, like, seriously, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a conservative. <laughs> and, and, and people that, that think about me, they think, well, how can you be a conservative? Because conservatives are racist, and they're this, and they're this, and they're this. And I just say, guys, come on, man. It's, that's, that, we are stereotyping each other so mm -hmm. quickly. Mm -hmm. so quickly. And I, I don't feel like that's true. I just feel like we can have very different conversations. We all grew up very differently. Exactly. Right. Therefore, we will have different perspectives. Absolutely. Well, you know, you, you're saying that it's like, you know, my whole life, I am like people say, well, you're liberal. So I'm not liberal. I am. I'm just one. I'm just me, first of all, mm -hmm. which I think people need to get away from trying to put everybody in a box of some sort. Right. And, you know, growing up, everyone thought I was Republican. It goes back and forth. I said, no, I'm very conservative, you know, in what I do and how I spend and how I think, but that yeah. doesn't mean that I don't like certain things. And, and, and it's, it's, it all keeps bringing me back down to respect. You know, whether you agree with what someone does, I'm not telling you to invite everybody over to your house for dinner, right? but to respect people for who they are. You know, it's, we're supposed to love one another regardless. You know, and at the end of the day, it is not our job to be judging each other. Mm -hmm. It is our job to love each other first and leave. That's 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 somebody else's job. That's God's job. Mm -hmm. Right. So start to look at people for being people. Start to look at people for they don't have to live exactly like we, we live. They don't have to think exactly like we have to think. But right. everybody should have their right to to exist. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you say respect and I'll, I'll be quiet after this, Max. Mm -hmm. You know, you you made me think of something I hadn't thought about with the people who didn't share. And that was the accuracy of the information that never even mm -hmm. came across in my mind. I just thought good white people were, were liking this. And there were so many on my page right. that liked the article, not liked it, but, you know, was angry about what it was the dog walking. I think it was. that's right. And, and they were so angry about what happened like I was. And in my mind, it's like, okay, here I got like 60 people who are angry, but not one of them thought it was important enough to share. And that's right. what, in my mind, I took. I didn't, so I apologize to you, Max. No. Because uh, I wasn't even thinking about the whole accuracy of the article, that somebody wouldn't share it for that. And another thing, I, I didn't want to make anybody share. You know, if that's not what you do on your page, you're not a regular share of any information, fine. Mm -hmm. But but if you if this does make you mad, you know, share it on your page because no not no one's gonna pay attention to when I share it because people obviously did. But it carries more weight, I feel, when a white person shares something among their white friends. Um, than when a black person and and the incident is about blackness, mm -hmm. you know, than than a black person. Mm -hmm. uh, and people might disagree with me, but you know, we can certainly get things done ourselves as black people. Mm -hmm. Why it'll happen much faster if we have our white brothers and sisters who are angry about this as well. Tommy Lee, you know, I, I have to say this too because I think sometimes it's not even that people don't want to necessarily share sometimes people don't know what to do. I think that's what's, what's happening a lot of times with this because 
you know, when you try to be, if someone's trying to be overly nice or overly sensitive, then someone says, why, why are you doing this? Why, why is it such a big deal with you? You know, so it's- They don't a, want the blowback. Exactly. So people got to be open to receive on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I've, I've got a lot of black friends that because just because somebody's white, they don't want to have nothing to do with them because they instantly think that every white person is going to be out to get them. And so all of us have to be open to receive each other. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, who was it? Uh, I got an email today. Um, I won't give any company names when I give them a plug. So this company, they sent out a guide, which I got to read. It was a guide that their, their black employees put, put together. And I'm going to be very interested to read through this today. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. If things, here's some things you could do. Here's some things you could educate yourself on. And I'm like, wow. And this is a major company. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm interested to see what it says. I'm going to sit down and read through it today. I mean, it gave links to organizations to, I'm like, okay, that's a huge thing. So yeah. and of course, different people will, re- will, will receive that different ways. Well, well, they're doing this now. They're just trying to do enough now that it's in their faces. Well, they're doing. Yeah. Or, well, I'm that's, not going to. You know what? That's exactly. They're yeah. doing. They're, they're doing, doing something. Something that they didn't do before. Even if there's an ulterior motive, the conversation is happening. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is I feel like no matter what we do, someone's going to criticize something. It is easier to be quiet and say nothing. But we decided we would get together and we were going to have a conversation about this. Certainly, there are white people out there that have bad intentions. But there are also some white people who want to talk about it, but they don't know how. And they don't know if they have permission to or if they will look like, oh, you're one of those white people, you know, that's criticized because now you, you, you know, you're with your token black friend or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And, and we've talked about this. I mean, there's that concern about no matter what we do in this country right now, it's become so polarized that if I wear Nike, someone assumes that I'm one way. Yeah. That's just, it's, it's gone too far. We've gone, we've, we've, we've forgotten just basic civility. And, and frankly, it's because people have, well, we've mistreated people for a long time. And particularly, Blacks were mistreated in this country for a very long time, and racism is still pervasive. Mm-hmm. Today, I believe that racism is not just one direction. I think racism exists anywhere where someone doesn't want to get to know someone else just because of what they look like. Mm-hmm. You and know, friend, go, go ahead, and, and what they look like and what you think they're going to act like. Right. You know, I'll tell you, so being in Hollywood, being involved in entertainment, you know, that's one thing I didn't mention earlier. That's the other thing that I that I do. And, you know, looking at breakdowns of what you get where it says which character, who this character is, what color they are, what their personality is like. And I tell you, it's been something when I see different roles printed out and I'm like, wow, this is this is so me, even though, yes, it's part of acting, but you're still bringing in essence of yourself and I'm reading it and then I get finally go to I say Caucasian I'm like why did that character have to be Caucasian then when I read you know the African-American role black role whatever you want to say it will say you know uh gruff hard thuggish whatever it will be I'm like well first of all I've never been that in my life but why does it always have to be that role that's the type of stuff what are people's perception and why is it always, well, that person is not going to be good because they're black. That person, because they got dreadlocks. That person with that dreadlocks may be the sweetest person you've ever met. So, or that, that person over there with the pink hair may be the sweetest person you ever met. Mm-hmm. 
So no, that, that's let me know when we're pressed for time, Max. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but again, there's just so much to say, and there you know, is. just a couple of things. I want I want to read now. Remind me because I might forget. Remind me about the alley, okay? So, this text was sent to me today by by I won't mention his name, but he's a, a dear friend of mine for many many years. He's a white man, and he's done lots decades worth of. Boy Scouting with uh, those who are, are, are disadvantaged or mm-hmm. disabled, uh, disadvantaged, disabled, mostly, mostly brown and black kids, uh, Latino kids, um, and uh, disabled kids. And so he sends me this text today, um, blah, blah, blah. As your friend, just, uh, I'm sorry, that was my response to him. He sends me this text. Can I tell you that I love you? I feel frozen sensing my thoughts are judged by the left and the right. Talking to my friends, I don't consider them my black friends. They encourage me to simply do the right thing to every person, one at a time. And I'll ask you, what would you expect of me? I want to know, I want to grow, and I want to love. Mm -hmm. And so that white man has already done so much for black and brown kids and disabled kids, wants to know how he can do more. And, you know, what I've seen, and that's the first uh, of um, my apologies that I turned this off. And that's the first, that's the first of um, over a dozen of those that I've gotten. Where my white friends are wanting to know what can they do? Mm -hmm. What can they do? They want to help. And they almost are afraid to ask their friend uh, for being, for thinking I'll be offended. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid to ask other folks thinking that they will be offended. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a shame. It's just a shame that they're almost tiptoeing on high saying, I want to help, but, you know, I'm kind of afraid. And it may come to the whole sharing thing too, yeah. that they might, you know, mm-hmm. have those feelings that we had talked about earlier. So I just wanted to throw that, throw that in there that, you know, maybe these friends think of me as a safe space. Yeah. And other people don't have that kind of relationship. My advice is to build it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Build it just by, like you said, Blair, saying hi, yeah. open, opening the door. Talk to that neighbor of five years that lives next to you, you know, that you've never made an effort to. Go bring in some, right. some cookies or whatever it is you do. That's right. And, and, you know, and do a good turn with them. You know, That's maybe right. they're out, you know, ranking leaves. Bring your rake over and start a conversation. It's mm-hmm. that easy. It is that easy. Whatever it is you do, whatever opportunity you see, open up your mouth and learn about the people that are just right, right near you. Yes. Yes. You'll find those commonalities, Blair. You'll find those things that, that, uh, that, that you'll have in common, like you, like you said. Well, you guys, I know we're all well-traveled and, and we make it a, a point to try to get outside our own comfort zones oftentimes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have, I, I'm reflecting on just dozens of experiences, but you know, I was at the Parliament of World Religions Conference in Barcelona, Spain. I was sitting in a Sikh temple mm-hmm. on the Red Sea, helping to serve all other people of, of world religions to come into their temple, into this sacred space, we had to take our shoes off and put a head covering on because that's what you do to respect their temple. And we all did that. All these world religions, all different colors, all different faiths, all different backgrounds, and we're all sitting together. How beautiful that was. Thousands of people being fed every single day, having this incredible experience. I'm and did sorry, you lose I your identity because of that? 
you know what I'm saying? And you didn't lose your identity because you did that, did you? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Or I lived in China, you know, I lived in China. Blair, you lived in China. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've had these experiences. I I went into a Baptist church in D.C. and they, they embraced me. They let me in. I was the only one that looked like me in the whole service that day. And I was so happy to sit there and feel the joy and the spirit. And then to walk into an, another one, a Presbyterian, you know, or to walk into a Catholic or to walk into a, 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 a mosque in mm-hmm. Malaysia and to just watch people and listen to people and to hear people and to quit demonizing everyone. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't terrorists. I'm not saying that there isn't evil people in the world. I'm not saying that there aren't real dangerous people in the world. Exactly. Right. But I do believe the extremists have grabbed the social media and the media's attention. And there's a whole bunch of us that are saying, guys, what is going on? This is not the way we feel. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I can uh, agree um, with that. Go ahead, Tom Lee. Uh, just, I want to tell you that Alex story you were talking about, just because, you know, you have dreads might be, be the sweetest person in the world. Yeah. And most, most people who have dreads that I know are awesome people. Mm-hmm. Uh, every single one of them, actually. Um, so I was in um, Rhode Island and I got snowed in. I couldn't go home. So um, I had been at a, a conference and we were talking and one of these people was in my class and we were talking and had a great time. And she's known me for years. She's known me for years. So we leave. I'm snowed in. I go to the drugstore to buy some toiletries or other items I need because I, I end up staying the weekend. And I had a feeling this is a Friday. I was going to be there the weekend. So I loaded up on supplies and walked past the same coworker. Now we're, now we're, now we're like three hours. It had been three hours we were in the class. Three hours ago we were in the class. Now, fast forward, we're in a CVS, and I have on a coat, and I'm walking past her. She takes her purse. She's hiding her purse mm-hmm. like this, and she's walking towards whatever. She passes me. I'm looking at her like, why is she acting like this? Like, I know this person very well, and she knows me very well, and it did not dawn on me until she walked past me that she was afraid of me. Mm-hmm. She was afraid of me. So I just went on because I was just really irritated. And there's an alley next to the CVS where we park our cars. And so we both happened to be leaving. We were at different clerks and we both happened to leave at the same time. Still the same thing to her. And our cars are maybe two cars away from each other. So she's in her car. I walk past her to get to my car and she's rushing, trying to hurry up and press the thing to get in. And then so finally I said her name and she turned to me and it was almost like, her face just melted and, and the smile, this huge smile came across her face. And she was like, Tommy Lee. And I was like, almost said her name. And I was like, um, you know, what's the, what's the deal? I said, I saw you in the CVS. And I was like, I, I thought that was you. You were holding your purse real close when I walked past. And she was like, was I? No, I wasn't. I was like, okay. But why were you looking nervous just now? She was like, I was just trying to get in the car. And this is an alley. So, you know. And I was like, well, it was just me and you. And it's like, you know, I let her off the hook. And then, you know, actually, when I get back to my hotel room, I have her cell number. That's how close we are. You know, I called her. I said, hey, I hope I didn't scare you. You know, I think that was what we were just talking about in that, that class. And yeah. if it wasn't, fine. But I just wanted to bring it to your attention. Long story short, she called me about three weeks later and said, you know what? I was scared of you. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. And that's why we're still friends today. 
And yeah, uh, no, you know, Tommy Lee, I see you coming in me and the alley shit. I'm gonna jump in the car too. <laughs> Excuse me, bleep, bleep. No, I'm gonna jump we'll in the car both, too. <laughs> we will both be jumping in. We will both be jumping in the cars. Let me tell you. I know I'm not a little dude. <laughs> I'm sure you're not. No, we'll both dude. be. I mean, actually, in that alley, I was probably more scared than she was, but. Well, let's like, just yeah. let's just be honest. The three of us are all bald guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. You know what? We'd all be walking down the street. People would all go the other way because we're bald, you guys. This is this is me in Vegas. I decided to walk from the Bellagio Hotel to the Hard Rock. They're not near each other. Okay. And this is it's like two miles. And of course, it's one of those like I used to hate hoodies because of what the perceived thing of a black man in a hoodie. Of course, now I love them, especially living in LA where it gets cool at night. And I'm in Vegas, I've got this hoodie on, and it was actually interesting to watch people walk across the street, move across the street from me. But I wanted to be threatening because I'm walking in an area that's not known to be good. So I put my my best, um, <laughs> I'm gonna say it, my best pimp walk on. Come on and now. I put my hood up and I walked, because I wanted to be menacing. <laughs> Just well, that was on. my way of trying to be safe because I was in an area that I knew wasn't the safest. Yeah. So you were trying to fit I was in. thinking that I was creating that image Right, you were trying to fit in. Yeah. Oh, you guys, this is a great conversation. <laughs> I am grateful. I am grateful that we did this. I am. And I'm very grateful that we could have candid conversations, that we could learn about each other. And frankly, that we could all try to figure out, hey, I've had biases or this has been my background. This is my perspective. And by hearing your perspectives, it helps shift my perspective. It helps me to learn. It helps me to grow. It helps me to appreciate another perspective and i hope that's what this is about i frankly that's what this whole show is about yep. when we talk to anybody on this show i'm helping people and hope people feel like we are helping to shift perspectives to a better way of leading and living absolutely and i feel like we started that today let's do this again all right you guys Indeed. Absolutely. Indeed. I, I would love that i think i think this is a bigger conversation and we've just scratched the surface so thank you. And thank you to all the listeners today. You've indulged us in a big, long conversation. This is the Purpose and Principles podcast with Max Brown, with my friend Tommy Lee Hayes Brown, and my brother, Ed Blair Dickens, who we've known for forever. He's called my mom, mom for years. For years. <laughs> <laughs> and I've called his mom for years. And even on our old phones back in the day, we'd call each other and, and they'd say, oh, it's your brother. It's your brother down in Louisiana, you know, because you, when you were in Shreveport, exactly. right? When we, when we had to pay for long distance. When we had to pay <laughs> for long distance. And so we'd have to take turns doing it because my mom didn't want to pay for it and your mom didn't want to pay for it. And we both wanted to call. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Hurry up. So he's on the phone. Hurry up. Exactly. Let's go. Let's go. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for this. I'm really no grateful for the take conversation. Care.